0: Hi, and welcome to the Computer Architecture Podcast, a show that brings you closer to cutting edge work in computer architecture and the remarkable people behind it. We are your hosts. I'm Suvinai Subramanian.
1: And I'm Lisa Xu. Today we have with us Professor Yungang Bao, who is a professor of the Institute of Computing Technology in the Chinese Academy of Sciences and the Deputy Director of ICTCAS. Professor Bao founded the China RISC-V Alliance, CRVA, and serves as the secretary general of CRVA. His research interests include open source hardware and agile chip design, data center architecture, and memory systems. Professor Bao's contributions include developing the Parsec 3.0 benchmark suite, which has been adopted by leading industry players in China, like Alibaba and Huawei, the labeled von Neumann paradigm to enable a software-defined cloud, hybrid memory trace tool, or HMTT, and partition-based DMA cache. He was awarded the CCF Intel Young Faculty Award, was the winner of the CCF IEEE CS Young Computer Scientist Award, and received China's national honor for youth under 40. Today, he's here to talk to us about the state of hyperscale cloud in China, open source hardware, and his efforts in revamping computer architecture education.
0: A quick disclaimer that all views shared on the show are the opinions of individuals and do not reflect the views of the organizations they work for.
1: Yungam, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you.
2: Thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to to have you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, we're so excited to have you too, I think. You- so uh, what's getting you up in the morning these days? What's, what's making you excited?
2: Yeah, today, you know, is Saturday. And the next day, actually Sunday, but it's a working day we accepted to the, uh, the May 1st, uh, there will be uh, five-day holidays. Every day, we, it, it seems like uh, we are approaching the, the five-day holidays.
1: Gotcha. So, what's making you excited is five days off.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Well, that would make me excited too. So, how about on on the work front? I think one of the reasons why we were really excited to have you on the show today was because over here in sort of the Western Hemisphere, there's a lot of cloud stuff, and although news is dominated by like other hyperscalers in the West, like uh, Microsoft, Facebook, um, Google. And then we hear about Alibaba and we hear about you know all the all the companies out in, in China, but and and then we see the papers that get submitted to Isca and, and published in Isca and, and other top venues. But it is it is far away. So like one of the reasons we're exciting to talk to you today is just like to get your views on you know whether or not they're facing parallel problems or you know what the opportunities are over there and what the kind of culture and thought process around how to manage a hyperscale cloud is um for some of these major chinese companies
2: yeah so actually uh in china probably we we don't see hyper cloud. so actually we talk more about uh, like internet companies yeah since uh, actually those internet companies they consume uh, a lot of data center servers yeah basically there are two phases uh for those uh, uh, internet companies uh growth and the, the first phase actually i think is a uh, before 2010, uh, there were three major internet companies called BAT, just like you mentioned, uh, Baidu, uh, Alibaba, and Tencent. Yeah, those three, uh, today they are still giant uh, company in, in, in China. But uh, there are also uh, some new company uh, rise Rose, over the past decade. For example, like Jingdong JD, uh, TMD, T is... Uh, we see the Baidance actually used to be the Tou yeah, and later changed it to name to Baidance. And there are also uh, another company called uh, uh, Mei Tuan M and uh, DD. Actually, this is a competitor with <laughs> with Uber. Those are new uh, internet companies in, in China. Yeah, those companies together, I think. Uh, uh, I used to see uh, a report on the top 20 internet companies of the world in terms of uh, like uh, the, the market capacity. There were, I think, there are 12 in the U.S. and eight in China. Yeah. So those are uh, internet companies. They consumed a lot of uh, uh, servers. I actually I did uh, I did some homework on uh, how many servers or. Uh, 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 computation uh, capacity, the they, they are consuming now. So I see, like last year in, in China. So uh, the China server market, the revenue is uh, twenty five billion U.S. dollar. Yeah, accounts for like one fourth of the global revenue, and uh, the shipment uh, volume is uh, it's actually two three point uh, three point nine million uh, servers. in 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 china that was shipped last year the global market is about like uh, 14 million
1: so that is very significant and it's interesting that you characterize it in terms of internet companies and like sort of server consumption so i guess my question to you is because like maybe it's because i work for microsoft and souvenir works for google where like in my mind, there's you know, cloud, there's public cloud, private cloud, and then a, a place like mm-hmm. Meta where you know they run their own servers because they have this massive presence and they have a lot of demand. So for some of these newer internet companies that you describe, like for example, Didi, right? Didi, the actual product is is a competitor to use. so the actual product is you ride these rides, but of course it needs to be backed by a ton of server capacity as you've sort of described. So are these you know rising new internet companies in China? Building their own data centers, or are they sort of renting data center capacity from another internet company? Like, how how is the ecosystem out there?
2: Yeah, for those companies just mentioned, so those companies they actually uh, prefer to build their own data centers. Yeah, for example, like uh, Alibaba, like uh, Tencent, they have many sites, yeah, data center sites all over the country. Yeah, some in like around Beijing, uh, some in western China. You know, recently the China, uh, the Chinese government uh, encouraged uh, companies to build data centers in Western, uh, in Western China. Yeah, since uh, in, in this area there are um, there are enough like power, electric electricity. Uh, yeah, so it's easy to uh, get a, get a power. Yeah, for Eastern China, since uh, the electricity is uh, actually is more expensive than Western China. So, this, so many companies, uh, they will uh, choose some um, places to build their own data center. There are also some other companies, uh, middle-sized, we see middle-sized yeah, companies or small-sized uh, startups, and they usually use uh, uh, public clouds. And uh, for example, like uh, Alibaba has uh, um, its own cloud, public cloud. So, and I think they ranked like number four or in global, global market. Yeah, number one is Amazon and Microsoft Azure. Besides Alibaba, there are also other uh, other public cloud companies. For example, like actually Huawei also provides a cloud server service. Tencent is uh, providing service, uh, cloud service. Actually, most uh, uh, it this is kind of different since uh, it Tencent has its own ecosystem. Uh, like for example, you know WeChat, yeah. So on WeChat, there are a lot of like uh, light. We see, like uh, we we call it light program. This is just like uh, uh, small apps, yeah. Or uh, can be installed on WeChat. So on on the WeChat platform, there are many uh, startups, many small companies. They build their own light uh, apps and uh, those light light apps can run on WeChat. And so Tencent provides a computation uh, service for them. Yeah, this is kind of different uh, levels of uh, cloud services.
0: Got it. Yeah. I mean, that's a fascinating overview. Thanks a lot for that summary. Uh, Just donning my computer architecture hat on, I think there are several themes over here. I'll pick up on one of them, which is the workloads and the applications. You talked about Mm -hmm. these cloud providers. Of course, there are people like Alibaba who serve their own uh, products and so on. But for Tencent, which has the WeChat uh, app or ecosystem, a lot of people essentially build applications or tiny applications on top of this particular platform. So from a workload Mm -hmm. standpoint, like how do you view the you know, the cloud ecosystem in China, especially with this diversity of workloads and also this control of the ecosystem. Often when we, for example, when Google runs, you know, machine learning workloads, we control the stack all the way through to TensorFlow, which allows us to do a lot of optimizations across different layers of the stack. Uh, I was just wondering, you know, given the distribution of the workloads and the kind of ecosystems available in China from a computer architecture perspective, like does it either open up interesting new opportunities? Are there different attributes or characteristics of these applications for the cloud ecosystem that you see in China?
2: Yeah, I think um, for more and more uh, data centers run uh, AI related workloads. I saw a a data that uh, most uh, uh, internet companies, they consume a large amount of uh, their servers are running AI related workloads. Yeah. So, for for example, they do uh, for Alibaba, they use uh, AI to recommend uh, things or uh, stuff for c- consumers. Yeah, and uh, uh, for like a buy a dance, Yeah, you know buy a dance uh, the and and and, uh, and uh, TikTok in 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 the US and and Douyin uh, in China. So they consume a lot of uh, AI uh they they, they they are they they need a lot of uh, ai power uh, a, con, con, computation power for ai workload, since uh, oh, a, a lot of like make make <laughs> people look uh look beautiful <laughs> more beautiful like there a lot of <laughs> they have a lot of like uh very small uh, uh gadgets to to make the video look better yeah look beautiful
1: it sounded like almost like you were saying that, you know, if you were to look, cause as Souvene pointed out, you know, it does seem like you, you have potential bifurcation of of workloads, where if you're gonna say like, okay, I want to make the hardware better in order to serve these workloads, that might be different because you know, this company has their own stack and their whole kind of sort of like closed system. This other company has their own closed closed system, this other company has their own closed system. And so then, you know, then how do you make a, the hardware better for all of them? But it sounded like what you were saying is that you could sort of broadly characterize and generalize that a lot of them are running AI workloads. And between these two kinds of AI workloads or within the AI workloads, there's like potentially even another uh, classification where some of them are recommendation where it's like, Hey, let's make, people look at these videos or, you know, recommend these products. And then the other is sort of almost like, I don't know if there's a term for this, like smart filtering, where like, you know, we can make the video Mm, better and improve the light background or make people's eyes bigger, or like cat filters or something like that. So then that kind of stuff is probably a different kind of, you know, underlying AI substrate than recommendation models. If you were a hardware person trying to kind of attack the China market, you know, would you, would you say then then like, okay, let's focus on recommendation models or let's focus on multimedia filters or something like that? Like, is that essentially what you were were observing?
2: So so this is uh, probably a challenging uh, for for building a general purpose uh, computer architecture for those diverse workloads. So that is why, you know, for many Chinese uh, internet company, they uh, start to, Build their own chips, all chips. Yeah, you know, GPU is uh, uh is still uh, the the major uh computation power for the general AI uh workloads. But for some specific uh, workloads, and uh, so many companies, they want to they 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 prefer to uh, build their own accelerators. Yeah, so you will see like uh, Alibaba is uh, building its own chip in the biotons they invested some uh like uh, ai accelerator companies to uh, accelerate uh, those their their workloads so it's uh, every company has its own requirements on computer architecture in in the future probably uh, the better way is to provide uh, agile chip design, chip development methodology. Yeah. since So uh, uh, it's easy for us to tanker uh, those such diverse uh, requirements. So that is why I finally, I choose to uh, open source and agile, uh,
0: agile design, hardware design this, this uh, direction. Yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, that's a very pertinent point. If you look at the Chip design lifecycle, like the design uh, design costs, are pretty high, and sort of bootstrapping yeah. a new chip design uh, tends to be a pretty labor-intensive and time-consuming effort. So maybe this is a good point to sort of talk about your efforts. You've been building an open-source risc 5 based processor, as you mentioned. So can you tell us about the effort? You know, the current state. Uh, what have your learnings been during that entire process?
2: Uh, we are, we launched the Samsung project. Uh two years ago in in 2020, but uh, actually we have um, made a, uh, we we, we prepare for this project almost uh, uh, since like 2015. Yeah. So it's, this is a a long journey to this uh, project. So I I used to run a project called uh, Labeled Computer Architecture. And uh, we build a simulator, we build a, we build a FPGA and uh, uh, we publish paper on and but we hope uh, to build a real chip in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Uh, actually, I did a, a survey on all uh, potential or uh, all feasible, all feasible um, solutions. For example, like x eighty six and the ARM chips, and I uh, didn't figure out uh, a feasible solution. And finally, I found that, well, RISC five and the Rocket chip is. Uh, yeah, just the solution, the right solution for us, and then we tend to use uh, uh, Rocket to build uh, the labeled uh, the labeled architectural prototype chips. Yeah. Uh, after we choosing RISC-V and a Rocket chip, actually we made uh, two decisions. One decision is uh, using Chisel rather than Verilog. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, not everyone supported uh, this decision, even in my group. We did a, a set of experiments to compel a uh, very organized cell. So the, the experiments uh, were divided into two phases. One phase is uh, I asked two guys to, um, to complete, uh, to level two cache and uh, to integrate into the rocket chip. And one is uh, uh, a senior student, undergraduate. Another actually is, uh, is an engineer. He is uh, good at, uh, actually he, he is good at cache and has uh, studied uh, like uh, um, OpenSpark T1 cache and uh, the Xilinx, uh the cache. Uh, he he actually he or studied those caches. And uh, okay, one the the senior student undergraduates use use the chisel and the engineer use the Verilog. The result is that uh, the undergraduate only took uh, three days. To complete the work, yeah, and uh, uh, integrate the cache into rocket chip, and then to it, it can run like uh, uh, Linux even with the DMA. So it's it's fantastic. But for the for for the engineer, he actually spent uh, six weeks to finish the L two cache, and it will integrate into into the rocket chip. But there, there were still some bugs. <laughs> yeah. So this is a, uh, uh, it's it's a very uh, impressive comparison, and uh, so uh, there are different. Uh, also, the lines of codes uh, for Chisel only one f- one fifth of uh, lines of codes of Verilog. So this is the productivity is is a huge uh, different. But you know the the engineer refused to accept uh, this result. <laughs> yeah, he, he said uh, his, his design is better. <laughs> his, his design is, is, uh, uh, is better in terms of uh, like a uh, uh, frequency, power in area. Yeah, so then I asked another senior um, another uh, student, also undergraduate student. He never uh, learned the uh, but he can write uh, Verilog codes. So I asked him, to uh, rewrite the engineers' viral codes into, actually to translate the viral, viral codes into Chisel, and, uh, and then pass the fabrication uh, program of uh, the uh, written by the engineer. And he actually, he took uh, uh, about like one week to finish this task. And uh, we will see that all the data, the PPA, Actually, m- most the PPH is better than than the Verilog version, the engineers. So that is uh, uh, quite uh, impressive for us. We, actually, uh, of course, this is uh, done on FPGA. It's not on the ASIC flow, but anyway, it's we can we can see that the teacher uh, can do quite good work. Uh, at least uh, for this uh, fasting prototype yeah actually i gave a talk on on the visioning workshop uh in 2019 uh, on isca the is the, the sigarch visioning workshop yeah you know in china many uh, companies they are they start to pay attention to Chisel, and uh, some companies they they then they uh, form a team to build a chisel libraries and to uh, help exert uh the development cycles. So this is uh, our, our experiments. Yeah. Then and, and uh, in our group, everyone, uh, uh, was, uh, convinced, convinced to <laughs> use the, uh, chisel. Uh, but uh, anyway, there are still a lot of, uh, a lot of concerns about chisel since, uh, people will see that, uh, your, uh, this is the only small module, like L2 cache, uh, it's, it's just a module. There's no uh, evidence or no case study to show that can, can we can use Chisho to build a complex uh, like high-performance processors. But next is uh, our next decision is so we we decided to use Chisho to build a high-performance RISC-V CPU core. This is the Xiangshan the Xiangshan project. Actually, we 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 target. Actually, high end of uh, um, ARM uh, ARM processors, but uh, anyway, it's uh, still uh, far away from from ARM chip. But uh, we we hope in the future we we can approach uh, that target. So the first version is um, actually we we taped out uh, uh, last year. It's uh, it was in uh, 28 nanometers and it can run one gigahertz. The the chip was back uh, this February and. Uh, it brought up uh, successfully uh, just in, and we, we finished all test in three weeks. Yeah, everything actually is, uh, seems quite, quite good. And with uh, DDR for uh, 1600. Yeah, DDR is not that fast. <laughs> so the chip can run uh, one gigahertz and we run all the spec CPU 2006 and uh, get the a score. The score is uh, a seven per gigahertz. Yeah, it's uh, not that uh, it's Actually, um, if we don't <laughs> take consider, we don't look at uh, like uh, power or error, this uh, s- performance is uh, similar to um, uh, Cortex-A73, but anyway, Cortex-A73 is much better in, uh, in terms of uh, uh, power. Yeah, and also frequency is much uh, much higher than the first generation of uh, the Shansa and now we are working on the second generation this is uh, is will take out next uh, month yeah in in this this may and the, the second generation uh now the pre- the frequency can uh, reach 2 gigahertz in 14 nanometer uh, technology the performance is uh, 10 points uh per gigahertz for spec CPU 2006 this is uh, the second generation yeah you are right just so you mentioned that actually we, the the third generation is uh, is ongoing you know, every year there will be uh, a new version of of a samsung
0: right that that's a fascinating journey like from your early observations that you know it's difficult to translate your ideas into actual chips into having your second version of the chip out and the third version in design is quite fascinating i think uh, There were a few takeaways for me from that entire experience, you know, starting from the early days when you had to bootstrap this and figure out, okay, how do we actually do this? What's the right set of tools that you can use to build this? Sort of using uh, the experiences of your undergrad students to actually convince people that it's possible to be productive and it's actually the chip designer that matters more than the tool itself. The tool is quite productive. I think your early experience, you showed that the second undergraduate student was able to take the Verilog that the, you know, the designer was able to implement in Verilog and translate those ideas into Chisel and therefore get a very performant design point for the L2 cache. And sort of taking it from that initial prototype all the way through to a complete processor, end-to-end in RISC-V that actually works and is competitive uh, on certain metrics with some of the ARM processors is quite fascinating. Uh, So maybe I can ask you like, what's next on the horizon for this project, right? Like, so you have, you started with an L2 cache to a processor. Now you have the second generation out in the lab tested and looks like you have the third generation as well coming out. How do you see this being used? Uh, What's your hope for uh, how these kind of uh, open source but yet Mm high-performance processors built using these open source tools and that also improve developer productivity? Uh, How do you see these being used uh, in the future?
2: Yeah, I I think um, from our perspective, the main uh, merits of the uh, San project is uh, not only the Xian uh the processor itself, but also uh, the the framework. Yeah, the the chip development framework. So actually, there are already many other frameworks like um, Chipyard from Berkeley, like Open Python from Princeton, like uh, uh, Black Parrot from Univ. University of Washington, yeah, and also that Chip Chip Kit from 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 Harvard, yeah, that Brooks group. So there are many other uh, like uh, um, frameworks, yeah. We but uh, we I think uh, uh, the the frameworks of Xiangshang is uh, uh it's uh, has its own uh, features. Um, it's actually we focus more on not only agile design but also agile verification. Actually, we build a a bunch of tools. To support edge uh, of fabrication, a bunch of tools. Yeah, these uh, there are more than like ten uh, tools for 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 the for fabrication. So what we needed to uh, address is uh, when we make a modification or modify a design. For example, like uh, currently we have uh, the second generation. Then we needed to uh, do the third to to build the third generation. We we have to. Uh, we we, we will uh, make a lot of uh, modification to based on the second generation. Yeah. But uh, we needed to address how to verify its correctness. Yeah. How do we know the modification is is correct? And we also need to uh, get uh, the performance changes. What's the impact of uh, uh, the modification on performance? Yeah. Since uh, these two uh, issues uh, are very important for agile uh development otherwise we uh, yeah, we can uh, not, not just uh, design is uh, actually is is easy you you you, you since you are doing uh, TPU, you know <laughs> many uh, verification actually is time consuming and uh, also uh we need a lot of engineering work yeah uh but uh, we 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 out some interesting we have some interesting observations to do agile verification based on Chisel, yeah. Actually, Chisel is a, a very good uh, language for agile verification since it, it is just like uh, the VM. So we we can do many like uh, paths. It's here is not fast transform can be insert into 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 Chisel. So recently there are also uh, new uh, IR uh, based on the ML ML IR. For example, we can we can write our own transform based on those uh, this IR. And for example, we have um, built a built a tool that is able to translate uh, uh, waveforms into Chisel code. So um, when you are watching the waveform, you can you will see uh, this the events. What what code is uh, in, related to this um, this this waveform events? So it's uh, this kind of a tool actually can uh, help uh, us to to do like Agile debugging, yeah, Agile uh, verification. So I think Chisho actually is a, is a very good framework to uh, do a lot of extension for Agile verification.
1: Yeah, I think this is really interesting because I think in the sort of the history of our field, we introduce tools that sort of allow people to move further and further away from the lowest low levels of the machine. And so that sort of enables the scaling of, in, in some ways, human capital, the more people are able to do a good job. But the key is, as you say, a framework that's able to sort of translate, make things easier for the users on the top. But still produce quality in the bottom. And that production mm-hmm. of quality means like you can attack the problem in this framework layer by making sure that, you know, and continually improving it. So, similar to like compilers, right? So, everybody used to write an assembly, it means you had to have the machine in your head. But then, if you continually attack the compiler problem, then you can, you know, continually improve the side or the quality of the machine code underneath, right? And so I think what you said right there, because you know, when I when I first heard about Chisel many years ago, one of the things that you would hear about is just like impossible to debug, right? Because now you've really you introduced a layer between the final user and the and the and the bottom level and and you can't go in and figure out You know what went wrong, and if you have an idea yourself, like maybe the engineer did, an idea of what you want the bottom level to look like, and you can't actually make it do it because there's this—it's too soft, the layer in between—that it makes it difficult. So that thing that you just said there, where you're actually able to watch the waveforms go by and have it go like be pinpointed back to the chisel code that that is sort of. uh, instigating that like that waveform like if this is the part of the code that's 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 being run right now that seems like a major leap forward that enables this this translation between what the user is doing and what is like being produced at the very bottom layer mm-hmm. you know so I, I think one thing you mentioned before was that you know now people are doing a lot of work on chisel itself to make that better which is i think a great way to you know, enable that framework to continue to improve and continue to scale the ability of humans at the top layer to, to produce what they want. So when you have students come in, like, are you more targeted at them working on the chisel side so that they can see this translation between the top and the bottom, or are you having more working as, as users and doing design?
2: Yeah, this is a very good question. So that is uh, actually uh, how we, how we train uh, our uh, students, so it's not easy for a junior student to like uh, uh, participate in the Xiangshan project directly. Yeah, it's uh, this is uh, the the project is uh, still quite uh, uh, large for them to understand uh, to uh, to to investigate to modify. Yeah, uh, before students uh, joining in the Xiangshan project, we we will uh, ask them to. Uh, participate in the one student, one chip project. So this is uh, uh, the, the one student, one chip initiative. So we will uh, provide the uh, opportunity for them to build a, a, a real chip. This is a, a small real chip. But after this training, then they will be good at uh, using a uh, chisel. Since uh, we use, ask them to use chisel, to to build a small chip and we also provide the uh the tape out opportunity the channel for them and so every student can get their real chip when they want to get a real chip they needed to pass some uh, verification or to pass some tests their design needed to be able to run a real-time operating system and uh, needed to be integrated into an SOC. Uh, some of, of those uh, students assigned uh, the physical design uh, tasks. So uh, this is uh, the whole, actually the whole process of, uh, of a chip development from like architecture architectural design, SOC integration and physical design, all are done by students. Uh, once their design passed the tests and uh, then their design will be tapered out. Currently, we are using 110 uh, nanometer technology. It's not that expensive. Uh, we also, we use a, a framework to integrate all those CPU cores built by the students into one die. So in a die, in one die, there were, there are like 10 CPU cores. This is a multi-core, but it is generous. This is really multi. It's a genius core totally different designs but they share bus they, they share the iOS yeah. and uh, then they, they can when the chip is back they can enable their own core and disable other others core and the chip can run so the cost can be reduced to almost uh, currently it's like uh, three thousand US dollar per, stu- per student. It's quite uh, cheap
1: that's amazing that's super cool and is that something where uh the one student one chip project is that available only to students like who are at um ict or is it sort of a nationwide effort or how does that work
2: for the first uh, first year it's only oh, there, there were only uh ict students this actually this is a university of chinese academy of science we call ucast yeah there's uh, uh th- there were, uh, five undergrad students uh, participating into the the project. There were only five students, and then the next year there were eleven. There were eleven undergraduates from five universities, and then for the third year, okay, third so year is uh, the number is in is actually skyrocketed, and uh, uh, there were mm, seven hundred and sixty uh students all over the country from from 168 universities uh students they actually they applied for one student one one chip initiative uh including 23 uh university from outside of china yeah like some university in 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 the u.s and now this is currently we are running the fourth uh the, the fourth year so currently we have um, already the application is uh, the applications are already ex- more than larger than 1200. Yeah, from more than 200 universities. So it is a, it's, it's become a national wide uh, uh, initiative. And many companies they uh, they donate have uh, they not funding for us. So we uh, actually, we we also use a way to you know since there are like uh, so many uh, students apply for the the project, so we need a lot of TA. We found we figure out a way that uh, like uh, the third year, those good those students they perform very well, and uh, in the third year become the TAs of uh, the fourth year uh, students. Yeah, so then we recruit about like thirty to 50 uh, TAs from the last term to serve as a TA for the next uh, next term. So it, it can, so the whole initiative can run at a, a very low expense.
0: Uh, this is a fascinating experiment. Uh, I'm intrigued by so many different aspects of it. And it sounds like a very valuable experience for students as well, you know, because they learn by doing, they get a more hands-on approach to understanding the concepts to seeing it actually taped out. And you sort of talked about the pipeline where they start off as applying to sort of build the chip and sort of experiment with their ideas. And then in the following year, they become TAs and sort of shepherd Mm -hmm. these ideas of the next batch of students as well. So overall, this entire pipeline is uh, extremely fascinating. And uh, I'm I'm curious to hear about uh, all the other learnings that you've had through this experiment, but uh, maybe this is also a good time to sort of wind the clocks back a little bit and understand your journey of how you came to ICT, uh, how you got interested in computer architecture, sort of how you see the state of the ecosystem as well, you know, having been in this field for for a while now.
2: So my first time of seeing computer actually uh, was in middle school. Yeah, I think that is uh, like 1993. Uh, it's uh, in, in my in my middle school. So it's uh, I, I was. Uh, i was born in eastern china so uh, that time um, an company owner an entrepreneur he uh, donated uh, 20 uh, computers to our schools to our school yeah 20 i think it's a 280 uh, 280 286 yeah so <laughs> 26 uh, computers so in the i i, I then i become Kind of, uh, I I, 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 did, I think oh okay this is, uh, what I, I, my 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 whole career, <laughs> yes so actually I, I you can see that I I probably uh, already made a, a decision <laughs> over my career since uh, uh, I was a, a middle school student, and uh, then I got my first home computer uh, in like, 1994. And uh, this is, I still remember, this is a, a, a Sirix uh, CPU. This is a 486, series 486 CPU. And I become, I write my first program. But you know, at that time, it, since, since I was uh, in a small town, there's nobody can teach me, can, can, can teach me programming. At that time, we, uh, in in the school, only learn like, uh, like basic, like four, Fox-based, you know, Fox-based database. I still remember, <laughs> yeah. And uh, when I, then I, when I entered the, mm, the, the school, the university, the Nanjing University, I, I was, uh, uh, um, I think I found that my, I was good at uh, like system uh, courses. So, but uh, my, I, I still don't know, I still didn't know how to, how to do system research at that time. Uh, since you you know my uh, my undergraduate thesis is still on like natural language uh, processing, yeah. Uh, I found my research topic. I I uh, I finally I dive into I dived into uh, computer architecture uh, since I was uh, entering ICT. So you know ICT is a, uh, there are a lot of uh, famous system work system project. In, in in china like uh the dawning uh, the supercomputer this is used to be the fastest uh, supercomputer in china and the, the long song uh the cpu the, the actually this is uh, china's first uh, generous purpose cpu in, in china and also the uh, there are many spin-off uh startups like uh, lenovo is a, a spin-off of, of 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 ict yeah so and i found that wow well, this is uh, the right place. <laughs> so uh, I, I found my, I, then in ICT, I learned a lot of uh, computer architectural uh, uh, knowledge. And I also did my first uh, uh, project. It's, this is the HMTT. This is actually the memory uh, monitoring um, toolkit. It's, it is, uh, uh, it's plugged on the DIM slot and can uh, track all uh, memory bus signals and it can be translated into a uh, virtual address. Yeah, we do actually do like a hard OS and uh, the, the memory system code design to, to translate the physical address into virtual address and to identify processes, behave, memory behavior. Yeah, this this, this tool is still work right now. It's, it, now it can support a DDR4. And uh, also last year actually we uh, Microsoft also bought a set of HMTTLA two years ago. It's, uh, um, so this is my first uh, like uh, this project. And later, actually, uh, 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 in 2010, after my PhD, I went to Princeton University and uh, working with uh, uh, Professor Kylie on PASIC. I think that is uh, actually opened uh, my eyes on computer architecture. I, I I I talked. I I knew uh, more uh, people, uh, more uh, like uh, pioneers in computer architecture, and uh, I I start to uh, know many uh, like Lisa. <laughs> yeah, we 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 um, I I knew many uh, friends in the area. So actually, this has also given me uh, a lot of uh, new opportunities. And also, there are a lot of people helped me, uh, encouraged me, and also like uh, inspired me a lot. So uh, this is my journey of to to the computer architecture. Yeah. So I appreciate it all of uh, uh, those who uh, helped me.
1: That's a great story because I think. Um... You know, the, from all the folks that I've interacted in the field, there's like a huge range of people saying like, you know, I saw a computer and I fell in love or like I showed up in college and I still did, I didn't know anything and then I fell in love. And so it's but either way, you know, everybody falls in love or everybody that I know of in our field who like really has a uh, uh, an affection for for our s- sort of field of study and season is because they, they're really passionate about it. And it's cool that you sort of. Like through the generosity of this one entrepreneur sort of like set the course of your life you know when you were a child so that's that's pretty cool and it and you're sort of taking it full circle now where you know you've instituted this program that has sort of not only nationwide potentially internationally you know giving lots and lots of students the opportunity to, to do something cool that you know i didn't do in school myself um, and, and like, I almost wish like, oh man, you know, I wish I was in school now and I could do that too. So, so that's very, that's very awesome. You know, so, mm-hmm. so with this really, you know, this, this kind of tandem effort that you have with a building a, an open source, uh, high performance processor, um, with risk five and B like using that as a vehicle to develop frameworks, to enable, you know, uh, enable more practic- productivity and teach students. Um, so for a long time, you know, every year we have a lot of Chinese grad students and Chinese students come into the United States, you know, come to American universities to learn the craft of computer architecture. And so now, you know, with this homegrown effort out there, are you finding um, that you have... A students staying more, and B students internationally coming to Chinese universities to study computer architecture, and then sort of a little bit as a tongue-in-cheek question: Do you guys use Patterson and Hennessy? Yeah.
2: So actually, you, you will see that uh, um, for the for the second term of uh, uh, one student uh, one one chip project. So actually, we have a uh, uh, one student uh, after he finished uh the 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 task uh, and uh, he applied for uh the phd pro- program from mit and uh, finally he got a uh he, he got an offer And uh, another student uh applied for university of toronto and he also got uh, the offer but uh, finally he didn't uh, uh then he failed to go due to the mm, the, the pandemic and, and the visa issue yet yeah, so he stayed in in china but uh, you will see that uh, uh, actually this uh, you you that what you mentioned uh, A and B uh, as, uh, for me they are uh, combined together. Uh, you know most uh, the first January the first year of uh, the ones one uh, S C uh, initiative the five students all five students uh, become uh, the major force of uh, the Xiangshan project and uh, for the uh, second year in the uh the second year some students going abroad and some also mo- uh, many many students stay in uh in china and uh, uh join in the shangshan project so i think this is uh, uh i think for the for the one student one chip project this is open we encourage uh student to uh, uh to to Go abroad and uh, to uh, learn uh, uh, more expertise uh, uh, from from all over the world. Yeah, we encourage them to do that. Yeah, but uh, for the other side, so you mean, uh, are there any like international students uh, return back returning back to China? Yeah, so it's uh, we will see some students. Uh, they are they, they, they are returning since uh, you know there are more and more uh, opportunities uh, and a job. There are a lot of jobs, so in, in China. So it's like I mentioned, uh, many internet companies uh, they start to build start to build chips. Yeah, so a lot of positions, uh, job jobs uh, in the market. So and they can yeah. pay quite good yeah
1: <laughs> i i was actually more asking you know so like it, it, the united states used to be like a, a very big sink um for students all over the world and then mm. now uh and so i guess i was more wondering whether you were detecting that china because of some of these things was also s- sourcing students non-Chinese students from outside of the country, like whether, say, Uh, European students or Turkish students or even American students or Canadian students are actually applying to Chinese universities because, you know, um, I I don't live in China, so I sort of always imagine Chinese universities being filled with Chinese people, but maybe that's not the case, and I'm just curious.
2: Yeah, uh, you're right. Currently, most uh, students are are still Chinese students. It seems like uh, 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 more international students uh, like to go to the U.S. and to since that there seems like uh, have a, uh, good opportunities in the, like teaching skills and also uh, many other uh, like environments. Oh, yeah. But uh, for Chinese students, I think they seem Like uh, uh, in China, there are also uh, more and more uh, opportunities. Yeah. So since this is also uh, uh attraction of of uh, students uh, students abroad abroad
1: i did want to ask the, like what textbook do you guys use like do you guys like oh, the rest oh, of
2: the, I, the, yeah I, I forgot that question <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we do use uh, um, the um uh, diaped john hennessy's test uh for graduate students and for our graduates so usually we, we actually we have a in many universities, has uh, have, um, uh, it's uh, the textbook in, in written in Chinese, in Chinese, yeah. And uh, for example, there are al- already some textbook uh, on 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 RISC-V. And uh, um, you know, Professor Professor John Hopcroft uh, from Cornell actually he helped a lot uh, actually to guiding or to instruct uh, Chinese universities to. Uh, to write textbooks. Yeah, so we recently we in China launched uh, the 1.1 or 101 project. This means uh, for 10 courses, uh, we want to write uh, a a good textbook for 10 courses uh, with the efforts of, uh, with the joint efforts of of many universities. So there are like uh, 33 universities each university, there there will be at least one faculty to participate in the 101 uh, project to help refine the textbook, yeah, textbooks for 10 basic courses of uh, computer science, yeah.
0: That's great, yeah. Uh, Speaking of students and opportunities, um, any words of wisdom or advice that you would have to students today or just other listeners to this podcast as well?
2: my suggestion is uh, just uh, like uh, learning by doing so concept is uh is, is uh, important but uh, we also need uh, to put our hand dirty yeah so uh, and the to to learn by, by by doing if we can do more projects we can master the knowledge uh, more comprehensive yeah so i think this is uh, always true i hope some those students who are exciting with the uh, uh, physical things yeah, just uh, uh, don't be just uh, dive himself into into the computer architecture field yeah
1: awesome well that 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 was really wonderful i i, I super super enjoyed talking with you today Yun-Gang, and i'm I'm sure um i i speak for souvenir too and that this is just like a, a really really interesting session uh to hear about this these great initiatives that are that you're you're um, putting forth and um it's been a total total pleasure for to speak to you today thank you so much for joining us
2: thank you for having me thank you very much yeah
0: yeah thank you professor young bow uh it was an absolute delight talking to you and to our listeners thank you for being with us on the computer architecture podcast till next time it's goodbye from us